Welcome to the Rise Up For You podcast, where thought leaders, entrepreneurs, and executives from around the world share their practical tips, strategies, and stories to help you unleash your potential and achieve your goals. Your journey of growth to become your best starts now. Hey everyone, welcome to today's podcast episode. Before we jump in, Natalina Nasruddin here. I wanted to let you know that, hey, when you're not listening to the podcast, when you're not watching the YouTube video, check us out on LinkedIn. We are constantly posting, adding value on LinkedIn, my team and I. We have a Rise Up For You page and has videos, articles, content. It's actually our favorite platform. So if you wanna connect with us on a day-to-day basis and you wanna get additional content and resources, head over to LinkedIn, follow me, connect with me, connect with our team, connect with Rise Up For You, and we're happy to share any content and even send us a message because we'll reply. We don't, we're not a bunch of bots. <laughs> so I'll see you there. And for now, let's jump into today's episode. Welcome back to another episode of Keeping It Real Estate. Today, we have Netta Lena as our guest. Netta is the founder and CEO of Rise Up For You, number one best-selling author, leadership and career confidence coach, and two-time TEDx motivational speaker. Netta, thanks for coming on. Maybe you want to give us a little information on your background and just kind of where you are, what you're doing. Awesome. Thanks so much for having me. It's an honor to be here. So, Okay, background. Let's see. Okay, let me take it all the way back. So my first career, I was actually a performer. I used to tour the world internationally and sing and dance, lots of musical theater, had the greatest opportunity of, you know, being in Russia, Japan, Germany, all over the world. And after I got done performing, I realized that what I really loved about the stage was just making an impact. Not so much hearing my voice, but just singing, being able to influence people. And so after I got done performing, I came back to the U.S. and I became an executive of an education corporation. And then uh, in the evening, I was a professor at a community college. So I became like executive educator after performing. And soon after that, I opened the company that I own today, which is Rise Up For You. And we get the best honor of just around the world enhancing companies and people through soft skills. Everything we do is connected to human skills, emotional and social intelligence, confidence, leadership, all the common sense skills that are just not common anymore that really make up about 75% of an individual's success, no matter what industry you're in. Wow. So, okay. So rise up for you is that that's your main focus now. And it's a human skills company, emotional, social intelligence, What would it look like if, you know, let's just say I was like, hey, help me with with our company. What would you do? How would that look? Yeah, it's different for every company because we work with a multitude of industries. But the first thing that we would do is obviously a climate check, right? Understanding what's the climate of the company. And then what do you feel the challenges are when it comes to your team and your people, right? So for example, we just got off a call today with an organization in Canada. And their challenge is, is that they are recruiting 500 people in the next like two to three months, which is a lot. But their leaders have a little bit of a scarcity mindset around leading. Like they're afraid that if they lead their team to be better than them, then they're going to take their spot as a leader. 
So they have like this disconnect that they're bringing 500 people on, but the leaders are afraid to lead and like coach and mentor their team because they don't want their team to be better than them. So you see what I mean? Like that's a, <laughs> that's a people problem that we need to nip in the butt because the culture and the leadership and the growth of the team is going to be dependent on that. So what kind of leadership skills would you teach them? Main thing is emotional and social intelligence. It is by far the most important skill that every single entrepreneur, professional, I don't care who you are and what industry you're in, needs to learn emotional and social intelligence. It's a lot more robust than people think. People think emotional intelligence is self-awareness, like, okay, I know my emotions and I can feel yours. There's 18 categories under emotional intelligence and every single challenge that a person is dealing with today on a human level is connected to EQ. Wow. Okay. So maybe we could talk a little bit more about that since it's a deeper topic of emotional and social intelligence. So what would be, you know, let's, let's get in some actual granular detail on that. Like what, what would be a couple of those categories that you guys would be talking about? I'll give you like a 90 second reel of EQ. How's that sound? (laughs) Okay. So there's four pillars of emotional intelligence. The first two have to do with you self-awareness and self-management. Okay. Then there's another two pillars that have to do with you and how you show up with other people. So that's social awareness and then relationship management, which is basically all things leadership. So those are your four pillars, self-awareness, self-management, social awareness, and then relationship leadership management. But most people don't know that under those four pillars are another 18 competencies. So for example, in under self-awareness, pillar number one, you have emotional awareness for yourself, accurate self-assessment. So the way that I see myself, if I were to ask 10 people, they would say the exact same thing. Like how accurate is that? 95% of leaders think that they have accurate assessment. The Harvard Business Review researched that only 10% actually do. Okay, Mm -hmm. so that's that's accurate self-assessment. And then the third area is something that I talk about a lot. I wrote my entire book on it, and that's self-confidence. So, and I always say that self-confidence impacts your capacity to communicate, to take action, to find clarity, and to have the courage to move forward. Hmm. So those three alone are under just the first pillar of self-awareness. Now, that's a lot by itself, especially the self-confidence piece. Okay. Yeah. So just following correctly, you said accurate self-assessment is in leaders. 95% of them think they know themselves, but only 10% actually do. Yes. How would you how would you go out and figure that information out? I mean, is this something that your company is going to do as well? Or is this something that you would have, you know, 15 team members take a survey of say, hey, who am I really? And then compare and contrast it. That's exactly right. So every single client that we work with, every company that we work with, every executive, they do an emotional intelligence assessment of themselves, right? Self first. And then we send it to like five to 10 of their team members. And then we look at the aggregated data to see how close it is. So I'll give you an example. And they rate themselves on EQ. Uh, I just had an executive do this. They gave themselves lots of nines and tens, tens the highest. So a nine in empathy, 10 in coaching, nine in motivation, uh, 10 in nonverbal communication. And when their team assessed them, they had lots of fours and fives. And they were shocked. They're like, no, I'm no. And I said, hey, the data doesn't lie. You have 10 team members that are giving you a four in empathy. You gave yourself a nine. We, that, you have a blind spot. You have a blind spot in that in that area. And this happened to me when I was an executive. I thought I was the best leader ever. I was 27 at the time. I thought I was warm and fuzzy and I was wanted to help people and make an impact. 
and nobody would come in and talk to me as an executive. I'm like, how come no one's, you know, like talking to me? I want to mentor. I want to help them. So I decided to do an anonymous survey. I was the only executive that that did this. And out of 200 team members, 75% said I was intimidating, not relatable. And I looked mad all the time. Wow. 75%. Wow. I thought I was warm and fuzzy and like, you know, high energy and 75% didn't. So my assessment of myself was not accurate. And the only way I could really figure that out is by doing an assessment to see that like, no, the numbers don't lie. Got it. Oh, that's yeah. powerful. And and I think that it's probably an eye opener for most people that are listening, if you are in a leadership position. And I think more people are in a leadership role than they think. Parents, 100%. You're, you're in a leadership role. Everyone's leading you. You affect everyone you're around. So right. you lead yourself is going to affect everyone and everything. That's right. Um, so let's just say when you realize that data, what do you do about it? Now do you work on those specific things and become more aware of them on a day to day basis? Absolutely. And that's the beautiful thing about it is sometimes we can be get overwhelmed of like, oh my gosh, I need to grow my emotional intelligence. What does that look like? And now when you assess yourself, you can say like, hold on, you gave yourself a 10 in, let's say, emotional stress management and your team gave you a nine. That's pretty good. That means that you can manage your stress pretty good. You're pretty grounded with your emotions. So we don't need to work on that pillar right now. Okay. That's not to say it can't grow, but we don't need to work on it. But now let's go over here. Your team gave you a four in empathy and you gave yourself a 10. Like we need to start building the empathy muscle. And then that's when we pull in strategies, of course, and different tools and tips to help leaders build these different areas. Got it. And then the next one I think I heard you say was self-confidence. What are some tips to build self-confidence? Get this, Dan. Every year, my company will ask thousands of professionals, okay? Professionals, entrepreneurs, business owners, not hundreds, thousands, what their number one challenge is. 83% of people say their number one challenge is self-confidence. Not feeling enough, perfectionist mindset, imposter syndrome. Even when they reach success, they still don't feel like they're successful. And that really impacts people, not just in their profession, but also in their personal life. So self-confidence is a huge, huge factor. And part of it is because we've spent our whole life building what I call micro-level confidence. So micro-level confidence is when you build confidence in a category, competency, or thing, right? I'm confident as a singer. I'm confident when it comes to speaking. I'm confident skateboarding. I'm confident coding. I'm confident selling houses, whatever it is. Those are like categories that you build your confidence under. That's called micro. But all of those micros live outside of you, which means that they will change. Inevitably, they can and they will change. And we saw this during COVID. When those things change, because we've built our self-confidence based off of those things, when they change and they do, your whole identity comes crashing down because you built your self-worth and your identity based off of these things. So when COVID hit, we had thousands of people come to us and say, I lost my job. I lost my money. I lost my title. My business is crashing down. Who am I? What value do I bring to this world? Because we were never really taught to build self-confidence on a macro level which is an inner belief that you are enough just because you exist, which is an inner belief that you can grow and learn, which is an inner belief that even if everything is falling down around you, that your self-worth and your identity is not attached to those things. Got it. So the macro level self-confidence is far more important based on what you're saying than the micro level. And some of that would be your inner belief that you can grow and learn. What were a couple of those other things? Because they came pretty quick. I just want to make sure everyone heard those. 
perfectionist mindset prevents you from your potential, right? How many of us know the, I'm not ready yet. Nope. The timing is not right. It's not perfect. It's not where it needs to be. 10 years go by and you're still in the same spot, right? Cause you're waiting for it to be perfect. That gets in the way of your potential. Okay. Yeah. Understanding that failure is research to success. You're not defined by the failure that you're, that you have, right? If you have something that it gets pushed out, that's imperfect. You're not defined by that. You believe in your ability to grow. You believe in your ability simply because you exist, you know, and, and I'll give you an example, Dan, you know, when I was 31 years old, I lost both of my parents. My parents died young and I, um, moved out of the country for an opportunity. So I re resigned from being an executive sold my house, car, everything. And I moved out of the country. After four weeks, I lost everything. I had $100 and two luggage. Mm. So I came back to California. All I had was $100, two luggage. My dad had just died. And now my mom was just got diagnosed with stage four cancer out of nowhere. Mm. Okay. So I started building a business, right? But for you, because I was like, well, I recruited another executive. So my spots filled. I could go out there and just start looking for another job, but you know what? I'm going to bet on me. I don't have a business degree. I've never been an entrepreneur. I don't know business, but I had the macro confidence to build more micro confidence, which is building a business, podcasting, that kind of stuff. So with a hundred dollars and a broken heart, my mom was passing away. I would take showers at the 24-hour fitness across the street, run back into the hospital, open up a laptop. How do you build the business? What's a podcast? Who's Tony Robbins? What do people need in the world? And I started building my micro-level confidence because I understood that even though I was in like the darkest time of my life, my macro confidence, which has always been stable, reminded me that my worth and my value and my ability to learn is not contingent upon all of these things that are falling down next to me. And I was able to build this company. And five years later, we're in over 50 countries and we have clients from around the world. And I have team members in the US, Canada, and Turkey. Man, well, I just want to acknowledge you for that's that's remarkable. And to come from a scenario like that and to do what you've done is is nothing short of amazing. So thank you. Congratulations on that. I so that. thank yeah, you. Yeah. When when you say the one piece I wanted to tap into a little further is this inner belief that you can grow and you can learn. Mm -hmm. If you don't have that, how do you start to develop that? That's a really good question. It's all going to start with mindset because this is what Carol Dweck talks about, fixed versus growth mindset, okay? Some people, unfortunately, do believe that like, no, I can't learn this. This is who I am and that's it, right? Like, I can't learn this technology. That's the thing that we see a lot today in the workplace is like, oh, like I can't figure out this technology. I can't, I can't, I can't, right? Mm -hmm. And then the growth mindset is, I have no idea what this is. I don't know anything about it, but I believe that I can learn, okay? So it takes a lot of mindset shifts to help people realize that all of these skills can be built. If they work hard and if they're dedicated to the growth, then they can learn it. It might not be easy. They might fall. They might suck at it. They might fail. But if they continue to work hard, then they can learn and they can grow. Have, I don't know if you've ever heard this, Dan, but in the performer's world, they always say that it's like the sevens that become the most successful, right? And versus the tens, because the sevens are the ones that are like not the best singer in the room. They're not the best dancer in the room, but they have a growth mindset. They believe they can grow. And so they work and work and work to build their skill. And then they eventually become a 10. Hmm. Well, that's such an interesting concept. And 
I'm going to relate it in my life. I, I had a snowboarding career. I was a professional snowboarder and I ended up kind of peaking at X games and got a couple of gold medals and silver yeah. medals. Yeah. And I can remember when I was younger, I wasn't the most talented in school. I, I was somewhat athletically gifted, but I wasn't like this extremely athletically gifted child compared to what I saw others doing. And yeah. I kind of wonder if maybe that was part of it. I was maybe that seven. And so it was fun. And that addiction to growth was really, you know, the difference of why it maybe worked for me and not for some others. Absolutely. So that's an interesting concept. When you said mindset, you said mindset is the key to adjust the inner belief. So what is it that you do to your mindset? Is it affirmations? Is it behaving around different people what do you specifically do for the mindset growth good question i i could say affirmations and that's definitely a part of it but i would say that's a very shallow um you know surfacey kind of answer right um what i would say is breaking down the belief system to shift the behavior which is actually very hard (laughs) so and what i mean by that is that all of us have like a series of behaviors we have tons of behaviors all of our behaviors are dictated by our belief system okay so in order to shift the mindset we have to understand what's the belief system that we built over time right or that maybe it's been projected onto us by culture society family whatever it is understanding what your belief system is and then building a self awareness around that and now questioning that belief system right kind of interrogating your belief system breaking down the walls in your belief system asking what why how so that we can shift the behaviors to serve you versus sabotage you mm-hmm. all right well that that does sound kind of complicated so let's just say you're a parent and yeah. your child's brain is not yet programmed 100% but you want to create amazing amounts of self-confidence, not arrogance, but confidence to go out and chase whatever they want. What would be some things you would do? Or what would you be, how would you be behaving with with those children? Okay, here's the first thing I'm going to give up. I'm not a parent yet. Okay, so I'll be completely transparent. But I think about my kids every day, because I want to be a parent and like, how do I want to show up? And I also think about my parents and what, what in my parents do for my brothers and I, by the way, all three, like all of us, me and my two brothers all have confidence. We always have. So I always reflect like, what did, what did they do? And I actually think it was really good what they did. The first thing that they did is they made it really, really clear when we were younger, okay, to push your potential, not for anybody but yourself, Hmm. but that you should always want to be the best for you because nobody else around you is sustainable. Meaning one day I, as a parent, I'm going to be gone one day, like you're going to have a different teacher. And so you're the only constant thing in you. Okay. Mm -hmm. So if you push your potential because you want the accolade from the leader or you want validation from the teacher, like the next year, it's going to be somebody else. Right. So you're always going to try to find that like validation and people pleasing. So that's like one thing they taught us at a really young age. The second thing they did, which I thought was really important, didn't matter what gender, girl or boy, they put us in sports at a young age so that we can learn to fall and to suck and to fail and to work really, really hard for the game. And it still might not be good enough. Right. So they taught us that, like, you can work really, really hard. You can be incredibly disciplined and you still might fall short. And that's okay. So it built the resilience around like failing and sucking even though we really wanted it and we tried hard. And I think that like understanding that is important because what it does is as you get older, right? 
And now I'm going to go apply for this job and I'm going to put my best foot forward and I have an amazing interview. If I don't get it, like I've already understood that feeling of working hard and putting my best foot forward. Okay, I didn't get it. Let's move on to the next one. Right. Opposed to thinking that I'm a failure, I'm not enough, which is what we see a lot of today in this next generation, the iGen generation. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, the third thing is lots of affirmations. My mom always made sure she, she was very conscious around languaging. Like we couldn't say I can't. She's like, what do you mean you can't? You mm-hmm. can't right now. Can you learn it? And my dad was the same way. Mm-hmm. Right. So being like very conscious around languaging. Um, and then the fourth thing that I think is really important to teach as they always taught us that nobody is better than you and you're not better than anyone. Mm. And I think that's a really valuable lesson because one of the things that I see today is people allow like their leaders, uh, maybe their romantic partners, whatever, treat them poorly because they never really learned that like, no, like people shouldn't treat you a certain way. They should respect you and you should respect them. Mm. So Even when we were in high school, if a teacher was mean to us and they called us names, we were taught to say, no, that's not cool. Like I'm a human being. You shouldn't talk to me that way. Just because you're a teacher doesn't mean it gives you the right to be unkind and disrespectful. They taught that to us at a young age. So what did that do is that as we got older, if we had somebody mistreat us or a leader try to harass us or anything in our mind, we already had the mentality of like, I don't care what role you have. You're not better than me and I'm not better than you. And I think that that is a really important concept. And don't get me wrong. If we thought that we were better than somebody, like we got our booties kicked. (laughs) Dad was like, no, no, no. We're all on the same page. We treat everybody with respect and kindness. And don't let anybody like infringe on your integrity and values. And you better not do the same to anyone else. Mm. Man, that's some great content, ladies and gentlemen. I hope you were listening. I know I am. I'm over here taking notes. Um, (laughs) And just to kind of recap it for everybody, I think what you said was, make it very clear to push your potential for you, not for anybody else. So if you think you're doing it well, no, you can do it better. Number two is create resiliency around failing. So if you fail, it's just a moment. It's not who you are. Get up and continue to try again. Create grit. Uh, Number three was language. Don't use words like I can't. Just be cautious of how you're programming your mind and your children's mind. Number four was you uh, taught that no one was better than you and you weren't better than anybody else. And I was just actually in a leadership course last week in California. And this was one of the main points that the coach was sharing is that you matter. And you matter as much as everybody else, not more, but you matter and so does everybody else. And in the matter of the sense that everything you do affects everything. Everything you do affects everyone. The way you behave, the way you bring yourself matters. And so that that's that's really some great stuff. The one I would also potentially add, looking at my childhood, is is love your kids unconditionally and create a safe place to fail and know that no matter if they succeed or fail, you're going to love them regardless. I heard Kobe Bryant say that one. He, he was out for basketball the first year when he was a young child, and he never scored one game. He didn't score one point in one game, Kobe Bryant. And his dad, he was crying at the end of the year, and his dad said, he's like, it's okay. I'm going to love you regardless of how you do. Just, just keep trying. And the next year, boom, that game was on and he started to, you know, become who he was. I love that last part that you said, because, you know, think about it. Much of our society is built on a reward system, right? It's you got an A, good job. It's amazing. You got an A on your homework, right? Versus, Hey mom, I got a C. Okay. Let's talk about it. Did you give everything that you had? 
did you feel like you put your best foot forward? I, I feel like I did, mom. I feel like I did, dad. I feel like I really, really tried. Well, then I'm proud of you because you exuded the best that you could at the moment. You see the difference? Like totally different. So love 100%. it. 100%. That's great. Okay. So as a leadership and career confidence coach like you are, what are the most common issues you find people, you know, they're struggling with in their careers and how would you advise them to overcome some of these challenges? Yeah. So number one thing is uh, self-confidence, which we've really been talking about quite a bit. You know, the biggest challenge that I see specifically around executives and leaders is lack of ownership. So for example, my team's not doing A, B, C, and D. And I'm like, your entire team? Yeah, like most of them don't. And I'm like, well, let, let me break this down for you. And it might be really, really hard to swallow, a hard pill to swallow. But if your entire team is not producing the way that you want, guess what the common denominator is going to be? It's going to be the leader. So mm -hmm. how do we take ownership, right? Like Jocko, who wrote the book, Extreme Ownership. And that's hard sometimes. But I see one of the bigger challenges that I see with leaders is they always want to like point, like they're not working. This isn't happening. I need to let them go. And I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. I want you to take a step back here as a leader. What can you do better to change the situation? What can you do better to change the circumstance? Have you exhausted all opportunities to support and grow your team before you point the finger that your team just isn't motivated. They don't have work ethic. They don't know what it is to produce. And I think that that's hard, right? Because that means that people, they have to shine the lens on them. It goes back to the first pillar of EQ, self-awareness, emotional awareness, self-confidence, and how can I be my best for them? And a lot of times the leaders are out there trying to coach and lead. I'm like, listen, you can't lead and coach yourself. How the heck are you going to do for somebody else? Gosh, that's some good stuff right there. You were a part of these TED Talks. You had two TED Talks, it sounds like. What were the main topics you addressed in those? And you know, why did you choose those subjects specifically? Yeah, thank you. I did one TED Talk before COVID hit, and I did it on company culture. And I talked about the importance of soft skills within culture. You know, uh, a lot of times we see cosmetic culture versus like a real company culture rooted in values. And so that TED Talk was based on, um, you know, the different things that we can do to help create a positive culture based off of these human skills, because you're only as good as your people, right? Mm -hmm. Organizations are made from people, whether you're an executive or entry level, it's the people that are running and building the culture and the organization and the growth and the profits. Mm -hmm. So that was the first um, TED Talk that I did. And then the second TEDx that I did was during COVID. So it was virtual. And I decided to to uh, hone in on the individual again. And that's where I talked about the self-confidence and the micro versus the macro and how important it is to kind of tackle this. I call it a pandemic, honestly, because it's a global issue. No matter where I go in the world, when I talk about confidence, people are nodding their heads, whether it's the Middle East, whether it's the UK, people are just nodding their head because it's a, it's a global challenge for me, I think, you know, but I always talk about in the TEDx, like coming from both sides that we need to reprogram as adults how we feel about ourselves. Because if we don't, we then, what do we do? It's generations and generations. We pass it down to our kids that our kids grow up and it's the same belief system, right? Tackling it from the top and then also infusing these human skills, which is confidence at the education level. Like it still shocks me how many school systems around the U.S., around North America, they don't teach soft skills. That, you know, they don't teach kids how to have leadership and to communicate and to have confidence in themselves. We still have this mindset of, well, you kind of learn it along the way through experience. 
And it just doesn't really work that way. It's a skill just like everything else. I have a belief that there's maybe more of a reason why you wouldn't teach the stuff. And, and I won't go into that here, but I couldn't agree with you more. Like, why would we not be teaching leadership skills and, and how to be a confident person? And why wouldn't this stuff be what's being programmed into our young children's minds as they're, you know, trying to find their way in life? So I'm right there with you on that. So, you know, one thing you said, I just want to make sure I got it right. Cosmetic culture versus company culture, different things we can do to create a positive culture is what you said. What are, what are a couple things if we have business owners or folks listening, or they want to bring a positive culture to their family life, what are a couple things that they could do immediately to have some, some signs of growth? Invest in their people on a physical, mental, and emotional level. Okay. Mm -hmm. So that's the training and the development, helping them with purpose, coaching, mentoring them like people to in today's world, people want purpose. They want growth. They want to understand like how they're adding value to the company, the trajectory. That's what people want, right? That's the engagement that they want. But mm -hmm. we've kind of built this misconception, not every company, but there's a good portion that have had that have kind of like made it about the cosmetic part of the culture. So they have like taco Tuesday, bagels on a Monday, a slide in the middle of the workplace. You know, like they have all these things that are cool and fun, but it's just like the hot boyfriend and girlfriend. It's like, yeah, you're really hot and attractive in the beginning. And then after a while, you're like, I don't feel fulfilled. Like I'm not connected. Like, you know, the bagels are cool, but you know, what about my growth as a human? Those are the things that we need to start focusing on. And that's why we do so much work with the human soft skills. Because when we go into companies and we work with everything from like oil refineries, people that are in the trenches, you know, dealing with solar and energy, technology, nonprofits that are helping homeless. So like we're pretty wide in regards to the industries that we work with. But when we go in there and we do a class, for example, on confidence, the energy and like the motivation that people have when they walk out of there, it's like, oh, I really needed this. And I was feeling really stuck in my life, not just in my career, but with my kids. And I just feel, oh, I feel rejuvenated. Like it's a different type of investment that you're giving to them when you invest in mind, body, soul. Yeah. Wow. What would be, let's just say, looking at your personal life, what would be some of the biggest key takeaways you've made or pivots you had to make in your life that has helped you become, you know, who you are and the leader of a confidence, basically a confidence uh, company. Um, yeah, I mean, we teach a, like it's, it's soft skills. Everything that we do is soft skills and confidence, you know, falls under that. You know, one of the biggest things that I've had to learn is like, I always have to do the work too. You know, I'm really big on integrity I can't stand up in front of people and talk about emotional and social intelligence and leadership if I'm a crappy leader. Like that's just, that's the reality. And so I've had to stretch myself quite a bit and also stretch my emotional intelligence because I've been put in situations where, uh, you know, I get, you know, upset or assertive or frustrated. And I have to remind myself like, all right, if you're going to teach this, you you better practice it. You better do it. You know, something that's always been a struggle for me that I work on every day is empathy. So in this process, I would say in this process of building a business is realizing that not everybody works the same and not everybody thinks the same and not everybody has the same drive when it comes to their career. Mm -hmm. Right. And mm -hmm. so how do I, as a business owner, show empathy whilst at the same time maintaining expectations mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. right hard to, do, hard to do how do you do that 
that's hard. The old me would have been like, just freaking like, get over it. Right. Excuse my language. It's like, make it work, figure it out. Like if I can figure it out, you could. And it wasn't coming from a place of um, like unkindness, but it was coming from a place of, if I can do it, you could too. Right. That was my mentality. Like, can't you see that we're the same? So if I'm making it happen, I'm not, remember, I'm not better than you. You can do it too. Right. (laughs) But it just came out harsh. And I, and I learned along the way that honesty without compassion is cruelty. Mm. Honesty, that again. So, yeah. Honesty without compassion is cruelty. Mm. And so I really had to learn how to be more empathetic and to still be honest and to set expectations while at the same time understanding how to speak in a language that that person can receive. Mm-hmm. Language, being careful with your word. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. Okay. Wow. So I'm, I want to kind of start to wind this down and, and I wanted to talk a little bit about being at that you're a successful female entrepreneur and a role model. What advice would you give to other women who maybe are aspiring to start their own business or who are young getting into their you know first line of work? When you walk into a room, when you put your business out there, I need you to get rid of any beliefs or projections that you might have that men are not going to support women or that women are going to tear down other women. I see a lot of women sabotage their success because of predetermined beliefs and thoughts that they have about being a woman in business that they now project and then create the reality. Does that make sense? hundred percent. I mean, I will, you know, I always use myself. I'm a woman and I'm Arab, right? I'm middle Eastern. Not once in my career ever, when I was an educator, when I was a performer, when I was an executive, I was always in a room full of men. Not once was I ever put down. Not once was I ever held back. Not once was I ever harassed in any way, shape or form, because I always went in with the attitude of, I'm just going to show up as my best. And like, I'm, I'm just going to deliver. I'm going to raise my hand. I'm going to show up. And like me being a woman really wasn't like a thing I thought about. Yeah. So they never thought about it. <laughs> I couldn't agree more with that. Ned. I'm so glad that you said that. And I think about that because we have some women who are business partners of ours. And man, I love working with them. They have such a different perspective. And they're, they've got some very powerful ways of being that I truly admire and are massively critical to our business. And what you just said is you show up with that belief that no one's going to put you down. They want to help you. And that's the reality you then create. And I hope that that can be heard. And even for folks that you're just a man and you're in, in exactly. heading to a business meeting, have the same mentality, have that mentality and belief system. That's that's so powerful. So I'm so glad you shared that. Thank you for sharing that. Absolutely. So Netta, thanks so much for coming on the show. If someone wants to get a hold of you, how would they go about doing so? And, and what's the best way to connect? Absolutely. Thank you so much, Dan. So you can head over to riseupforyou.com. We have a ton of free resources there. We have a master success kit all about confidence, emotional intelligence, like public speaking presence, building success. It's totally free. And our handle is at rise up for you everywhere. LinkedIn, Instagram, uh, podcast, YouTube, the same. And then you can definitely connect with me as well. Personally, I'm, I'm most often on LinkedIn and I run my own LinkedIn. My social media manager does not. So you can send me a message. You can reach out to me and I'll be the one to answer if you're interested. Thank you everyone for tuning into this week's show. If you gained value from it, leave us a review and please share it with a friend and we'll see you next week. Imagine a life where you can have it all. 
a booming career, fantastic love life, great health and success, and overall achievement and happiness. Imagine pushing your potential to your absolute best and every day living a life that you are proud of. Well, if this sounds like something that you're yearning for, then the Rise of You Growth membership is perfect for you. My team and I believe in supporting you and helping you get to the next level because we know that you can do and have what it takes to be your best. When you join our membership, you get access to live trainings every single month with myself and our team. You get free coaching. You get a number of on-demand resources to help level up your success that you can use in the comfort of your own home. And you get access to our global membership around the world full of like-minded professionals that are looking to be their best. Your time is now to push your potential and live the life that you want to live. So if you're ready to take the next step in your life and in your career, join the Rise of Food Growth membership. Click below and we'll see you there.